0: Following podcast may contain content that is not suitable for all ages or sensitive ears. Please be responsible. Thank you and donkey. Hello, save them family. Landon here. Thank you for joining this episode of the Save Them podcast. And uh, I do apologize for the background noise today. I'm having to record this podcast outside. Um heading to the field this week and got some Got some outdoor activities going on here, so um, just wanted to highlight something today that um, you know it's 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 a common entry point uh, to to the human trafficking sphere, and I just I, I just want folks to understand that it's not cliche. And when um, when we talk about how people get into trafficking, often people think about things like. Oh, you know, some movie where somebody's kidnapped from the high school or, you know, the, and the dad has to go on a search and all this and, and those things definitely happen. Um, but it's not the most common form of trafficking. Uh, you know, typically the, the majority of your trafficking is familial where people are selling their children either to clear drug debts or to you know rent them out to adults and make money off of it and all that that's that's a lot um but another big entry point especially for um those those ladies and young men who kind of head into their teens uh, late teens early 20s is this issue of recruitment and they're often recruited into jobs and so um, part of what, you know, when we talk mission scope of, of Save Them is intervention to prevent those who are pursuing what are obviously trafficking situations and helping cut that off before someone's life goes off the rails. And this has um, taken shape in some of the work we've done with airports uh, where we've trained airport staff to intervene and intercept uh, ladies who are obviously being trafficked in from another country or on their way to be trafficked and informing them of what trafficking looks like and helping them understand if the situation is actually trafficking and uh, helping that young lady to make sure she doesn't get on the airplane to begin with um, or to turn around and go home and uh, you know we've had real life situations where we had Thai women um, basically meeting up with a Nigerian pimp that they had met online and um, you know it was love at first type right um, however uh, right on the other side of that barrier at the airport is a disappearing act where that young lady will disappear into sex slavery and may never return so uh, it's a very serious business um, also early on in our our journey to save them we had a young lady who uh was rescued and she a uh, very interesting story she was taken where she she went for a job uh i don't know she responded to a job offer okay she lived in one town in south africa she drove 45 minutes to an hour to another town to respond to a job offer and when she showed up uh she was basically taken by traffickers into this house and she was uh basically told that, you know, her life was was gonna be different. Uh the job she was gonna be working was as a sex slave and that she would be sold and the prostitution was her new gig. Um this lady was in her early twenties, she had a young son and um it was a very, very tragic story. She it's the most amazing thing actually in her testimony is she escaped uh where she was being held. And in her story, um, which we do have an audio, it's in Afrikaans, but she she tells the story of how she prayed and prayed and prayed that the Lord would open the bars of this these windows. Because in South Africa, a lot of times there are bars in the windows, uh, typically to prevent theft, and this situation was keeping her in. And what happened was she said, no kidding, it's like the bars widened, and she literally climbed out of this holding cell. Well, um... It gets confusing after that, though, because she ran away. She ran to a nearby church, and that's where we, you know, she came onto our radar, and we were able to uh, collect her, and we began um, to arrange for her to go to a safe house. And then what happened was that in transit, um, she had a cardiac arrest in the back seat of the car. And what we didn't realize, what nobody back in those days thought to, to ask was kind of when was the last time she had taken a drug hit? Because um, what had happened is she had already entered the break-in phase, as it's called. And they had started drugging her to get her chemically addicted to drugs. Well, the problem is she was not a drug addict. She was just someone responding to a job off-job um, solicitation so her body went into serious chemical confusion and it was starting to get pumped with these drugs uh, that cocktails uh mixed with heroin and then uh had it basically removed cold turkey when she fled well problem is her body couldn't respond to the up and down of the situation and she went into cardiac arrest and um yeah and she eventually passed away and that is um extremely tragic right there's just that whole story is tragic and um, everyone came alongside her father and her son uh, on the heels of that and really tried to set up things to make sure that that young boy uh, was taken care of you know going to school and all that which is what his mom was trying to do right she was trying to find a way to take care of her son and uh, so the network did come together uh, to help make sure that that boy was okay and that uh, the grandpa was okay, and um, but just a tragic story, and there's no upside to that story. Um, but man, I'll never remember. I'll never forget. Uh, I have this one picture of this this young lady, and she's sitting there after she had been rescued, and or after she showed up at the church, and she was waiting to get extracted, and and she's sitting there, and she's she's kind of washing, washing up, but she's looking at the camera, and she just has the biggest smile on her face. Oh man, it's just pure light, right? Um, and obviously, the Lord has our hair, all the hairs in our head numbered, and He knows when it's our time, and He takes us when He wants us. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of unanswered questions with that, that story, but the reality is, it started with a fake job offer, which turned into a trafficking situation, which ended in a, a death uh, within a two week period, okay? So this stuff happens fast. And it's very, very important that people understand that if something's too good to be true, if there's a job offer out there that just seems too amazing, uh, then it probably is. You know, we had the previous podcast around drug mules, and you heard uh, about the the Bobsy story where she responded to a free trip to Brazil. And before she knew it, she was smuggling cocaine in her hair and being used as a drug mule for the traffickers. Okay, so you got to understand that life is not about the easy win. And, um, and, and the traffickers use the easy win as a way to lure and entrap. Because typically when you're lured into the easy win, you're not expecting that this is going to go south. So you're pretty unprepared for e- pretty much everything that's going to come your way. And it's a really easy capture for the traffickers. So um, it's it's just, it's an important piece. And so we try to initiate programs, um, both at an awareness phase. We work with partners, um, our authority partners work with partners, everybody's working with partners, trying to get the word out, trying to educate, getting into the schools, getting into churches telling people, look, if it's too good to be true, then it is. It's too good. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't pursue it. Um, it's a scam because uh, that scam could end your life and it could end it very quickly. Uh, so that is the focus of today is avoiding the job scam, avoiding uh, the too good to be true scenario and being wiser than the enemy. All right, don't, not letting them have the one up on us here and having the courage to talk to our, our kids like our teenagers and all this to prepare them so that when they start having to make life decisions about work choices and they're sitting in an environment of severe underemployment or um, yeah, just really struggling to pay the rent or whatever that they don't just grab the first amazing thing that comes along uh, which will answer all their dreams because guess what Chances are 99.9% of the time out of 100, it's too good to be true. So uh, let's let's equip our our sons and daughters um, with that wisdom. And I did pull a a clip today. It's from the SABC, and it's from an awareness organization in South Africa that talks a little bit about uh, the dynamics of human trafficking in South Africa, and they begin the story with the job scam because that is a big one big one in Africa with so much underemployment and people struggling to find work you can understand that it's easy pickings when it comes to the job scam you know the joining you know every lady's you know beautiful and gonna be on the front of a magazine uh yeah until she shows up to get her picture taken and she ends up online and she's now stuck in a house somewhere being rented out that is not the dream opportunity that we wish for our children or anybody in our society for that matter. So, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and I've pulled the audio. Uh, I'll also include the video uh, link in the program description box of the podcast. And uh, I encourage you to get the word out. Let people know. Um, just just have a conversation about the too-good-to-be-true situations and, and how we need to avoid those. So um, thank you again for uh, tuning into the Save Them podcast. Uh, please don't forget us. We're at savethem.org. And um, any prayers, any uh, financial support uh, can go through that website. We've got the contact form. Uh, we made a big change at Save Them. We dumped PayPal. And uh, we've moved on to a system called Bloomerang. Uh, which is used for a lot of nonprofits and churches and stuff to to take donations. So that's what we're using from here on out. Uh, we're much happier with that situation. Uh, we had to get off of PayPal. Uh, for anybody who's followed anything the past year, there have been a lot of issues with PayPal, which um, we're starting to give us a lot of headaches. So we've abandoned that and we've gone to Bloomerang, and we're thankful for that change. We're thankful for our financial team, who did the hard work to get that in place, and uh, yeah. So again though ultimately if you know someone who needs help uh please reach out to us contact form on the website will get that info to us and uh and hopefully we're able to make a difference okay all the best to everyone out there and we'll talk to you next time this is landon out cheers
1: Nancy Strauss is the creative director for True Life, which is a Durban based NPO, to talk more about this campaign. Good evening and welcome to you, Nancy. The campaign highlights that human trafficking is the fastest growing criminal industry in the world. It generates a staggering 258 trillion rand and upwards per year. What factors are making it possible for this industry to be so lucrative?
2: Thank you so much Iman, I think uh, one of the biggest problems that we have in South Africa is a lack of education about this issue, and so we're so grateful for the opportunity to launch this campaign in partnership with the National Freedom Network and Think Creative Africa, Um, Gauteng is, as you've mentioned, Um, has many hotspots, but I need to make it very clear there are hotspots in every single province. Uh, We've just begun in Gauteng and hope that this campaign will gain momentum throughout the country. Uh, My organization, True Life, works primarily in schools to educate young people about the dangers of trafficking. And on a weekly basis, we are uh, approached by young people that have received fake job offers through their social media we have young girls being approached by supposed modeling agencies through their instagram accounts we've had stories of high school learners being forced into taxis at the taxi ranks. Um, And so it goes on. And while we don't want to um, resort to any fear mongering, that's not the point of this campaign. the, The really what needs to be done is in the hashtag, the traffic you need to know, knowledge is key. So if we can get the message out there and inform these communities, then they'll be better equipped to protect their young people and protect everyone.
1: Yeah, I think it's right when you say, Nancy, that we should not approach it from a position of fear and disempowerment, uh, but of awareness and power. Um, And so when you're talking to these young people, I mean, what, what are some of the things you tell them about how to be, you know, aware and as you say you know adverts and and, you know job opportunities and so on uh, are very alluring especially in a context like ours where unemployment is high but what are some of those fail-safe methods that people can use to make sure these are not or you know these are legitimate job offers or opportunities
2: exactly i think the first step is just helping young people recognize that unfortunately there are people out there that want to take advantage of them Um, and just to be cautious of anything that looks too good to be true. Uh, We also promote um, South Africa's National Human Trafficking Helpline. This is a toll-free number that anyone can call at any stage. Um, I'm sure you will be sharing it, but it's 800 222-777. 222-777. Uh, it is a fantastic resource that you can phone, and they will actually vet job opportunities for you. So whether it's to report any suspicious behavior or even just to ask questions, we, we try to direct young people there. On top of that, we also equip them with the steps of what to look out for for human trafficking. Um, my organization true life are big on um the slogan brave choices equal a better future we really believe young people have what they need within themselves to actually be heroes for each other. If they can look out for each other and start to kind of have a, my brother's keeper mentality, then we can start to see them really start to protect each other and not just turn a blind eye when they do see something suspicious, when they see someone in need, or even when they overhear maybe a conversation between friends, hopefully those red flags we raised and help can be gained.
1: Yeah, I, you know, and, and it's a pity that we have to actually resort to, to firefighting in a way to make sure that we don't, you know, we don't uh, get caught up um, in, in situations where we might not have any power. But I want to go back to these hotspots I talked about at the beginning of the program. Why are they popular sites for traffickers? You, you know, in other words, I mean, what is it about either you talked about online recruitment? Yes, we got that one. Um, but in terms of, you know, physical spaces, why are those spaces, uh, you know, places of, of opportunity?
2: So, how those places were identified as hotspots is by we work very closely with the National Prosecuting Authority. And so, really, they've looked at the statistics over the past few years to see where have reported cases being identified so where have people come forward of um, cases of human trafficking being either reported to the police or ultimately being prosecuted in the courts and that's where the body of evidence has been found to be taken place and so obviously we want to be um, evidence driven we don't just want to go by. Um, I think often um, Hollywood or you know media campaigns an image of human trafficking only happening in certain areas or only you know happening in the worst of the worst. And as as that list shows, it really is spread amongst a range of economic areas, a range of from built-up city areas right through to the suburbs. But I think the key um, common denominator is perhaps areas where this type of behavior can get away with where maybe there are abandoned houses that can be used where maybe there is a lack of vigilance um, and there is just an opportunity for people to take advantage of communities that are already at risk because of their situations and so really it's now about taking that step to work with police to work with community officials where there's already been identified crimes and tighten up on that security
1: well let's just talk about that part and this is the uh, you know the vigilance and the sort of integrated cooperation between organizations and campaigns like yourselves uh, and law enforcement how robust is that in, in, in you know integration um and and you know how energized would you say uh, law enforcement is in responding to research such as the kind that you put out um, and responding to complaints
2: Uh, We have a fantastic network of um, trained police on what's called the Human Trafficking Task Force. This is a um, government-established team that each province is involved in. And um, those colleagues really work around the clock to not only prosecute, but also educate their police teams. Um, I know that as with many um, areas in our country there is issues with it trickling down so we have heard reports of certain police stations not responding well to um you know when there is a report of human trafficking it often gets mislabeled perhaps as kidnapping or vice versa. Um, So there is definitely more education needed, I think. But I know that um, those that are on the ground really dealing with this, the the task force that have been kind of mandated to deal with this issue um, are really doing great work in that area. And so hopefully as they continue to train year after year, that will spread and trickle down into kind of the lower ranks of the police force.
1: Um, You know, um, Nancy, one of the most important You know, weapons we have, um, I suppose, you know, to use the word weapon is just other people, a community. How does one recognize the signs of somebody that's being trafficked and and what is the best way to approach that situation?
2: So some of the key things we always um, tell our young people, but it can apply to any age to look out for, is obviously the first thing is anything that's too good to be true. Um, I think we live in a world where there is no such thing as a free lunch, as much as we want to hope for that. Uh, But particularly offers where someone is trying to separate you from your safety network. If they want to take away your passport or ID for whatever reason, even if it's under the illusion of making a photocopy or giving you an opportunity just or separating you from you know, isolating you into a different area that you're not familiar with or saying that they'll pay for private transport, anything that's going to take you out of the public eye, out of your normal comfort zone, your normal people, your normal public transport that you're comfortable with, I would say is a, is a red flag. Um, and then we also say for the community to look out for Would be um, homes that maybe have, you know, if we talk about brothels, but even homes or factories, workplaces where there starts to be suspicious behavior, such as people not being allowed out, um, even friends that maybe suddenly become very recluse, where there's financial control suddenly, where they're not given freedom to spend their own money or control over their cell phone, you know, all of those freedoms that are suddenly restricted would definitely be a red flag um, that there needs to be a yeah. further investigation. And that's when I'd say contact the hotline because they'd be able to differentiate between whether it's a personal issue or whether it is in fact human trafficking. Just bone-chilling, to go back to the numbers, uh,
1: 258 trillion rand industry globally, um, just shocking. Thank you very much for what I think are some really useful tips uh, and information, Nancy, that you provided with us this evening. Uh, The contact number, uh, as Nancy's been sharing with us, for suspicious behaviour, things you're concerned about. um, You know, if you see something, say something, is the common adage. Nancy Strauss, thank you for talking to us. Good luck to you and all of the other uh, organisations that work together to deal with the scourge of human trafficking. Nancy Strauss is the True Life Creative Director.